I am Scott Hamilton, Rockfile, back with another podcast review for your ears. Going back to my 007 box set, we are up to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. As I mentioned in the last podcast, If You Only Live Twice, Sean Connery had announced during the making of that movie he was retiring from the Bond character. And so immediately they started looking for another Bond. And (laughs) watching some of the extras about this, they viewed over 400 different actors. They talked to 400 different people. They eventually decided on, uh, he was basically a male model at the time, George Lazenby, an Australian guy. Um, they, they teamed up, uh, him with Diana Rigg and Telly Savalas, who were new to the movies, Bernard Lee and some of the other people who have been in the previous, uh, they showed back up. It definitely was an Eon production, uh, Harry Saltzman and Albert Broccoli. Uh, it definitely felt like a Bond movie. It is just overstuffed to the gills at two hours and 22 minutes. There's just too much of it. Came out in 1969. It was made for a budget of $7 million, the highest at the time, and went on to gross $82 million, which was a lot of money back then. Uh, Reviews were mixed when it came out. Uh, Since, it's well regarded as one of the most accurate novel-to-movie transitions that any of the Bond films made, that it, it very much is very close to the original novel, which was something like the previous movie was not even in the ballpark. It just had some of the characters and locations and that was about it. Um, And I have often said this movie is a lot better than people give it credit for watching it now. It still is. I mean, it's a, it's a solid bond movie considering that George Lazenby is the only time he ever played the role. Uh, Sean Connery would come back in the next one, but he does a great job. He looks the part. He fits the part. He moves right. You know, the action scenes, action scenes are a little choppy. Um, as we discussed in some previous podcasts, that uh, editing tricks are used when uh, to when a fight scene just isn't when it's not one of those John Wick kind of scenes where you can pull back the camera <laughs> and just watch two guys go at it. Um, uh, editing has to be used to make a, a fight scene a little bit more exciting, especially to people who aren't trained to fight. Um, but I thought the fight scenes were good. This movie just has too many car chases, too many ski chases, too. The opening fight scenes to establish the character, brutal. I mean, for a James Bond movie, they're brutal fight scenes. Um, but again, a little little, little choppy. Um, this was the first time I noticed the big, long credit scene at the beginning. First of all, it's an instrumental track. It's not sung. That was interesting, but it's a very memorable track. And this was the only intro so far that showed scenes from previous movies. There were things going all the way back to Dr. No and bad guys that popped up. I guess they were trying to make sure that we knew that this tied in with all the previous movies. And the women in the opening credits are obviously more naked. (laughs) Like with high definition in 4K, you could tell that, you know, some of the naked women were not naked in the the early, you know, these big production numbers they do at the beginning. But this was a little more obvious. Uh, This was 1969, and I guess things were a little freer at the time, and it was, they were obviously naked. So they introduced Diana Rigg. um, You know, she's coming off the Avengers TV show from the 60s, and she's quite quite a a symbol uh, around the world for uh, sexy, strong women. And she comes in and plays basically kind of a spoiled brat character who does things just to cause drama, just to 
to do crazy things to do crazy things and it turns out oh she's a tortured person and uh she's had this you know oh anyway it's a very interesting character for her to play they wanted a strong female actress and they got one uh, diana riggs great in the movie playing what they told her to play what was on the on the on the page so to speak and telly savalas takes over well uh, spoilers to a 1969 movie but he's playing blofeld instead of donald pleasance and it's funny in the beginning, they introduce him as a as a mogul who is, is has a, a clinic and he's trying to cure people of addictions. Um, but I had the subtitles on for some of the quiet scenes, and they early on in the movie they list him as Blofeld, <laughs> even before we found out that he's Blofeld. And there is one scene where we see him talking on the phone. He's got the white cat in his lap. So that was to let us know before he actually comes out as Blofeld that he was Blofeld. Uh, Telly Savalas doesn't show up till an hour into the movie. Um, but when he does, he's great. He's, he's a, actually a very, very good Blofeld. Um, and I love Telly Savalas. My dad grew up watching Kojak or, you know, grew up, had me growing up watching Kojak with a lollipop and Who Loves You, Baby. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go look up Kojak. Telly Savalas was a force of nature on this cop TV show in the 70s. It was really great. But we saw the cat. Uh, this count that he was playing, you know, we kind of knew he was Blofeld before they reveal it. And you'd think Bond would have kind of figured it out. But so when Bond um, and wow, it's it's a very convoluted plot. Um, Bond basically wants to quit the service and they basically give him time off. And so we get to see a lot of personal Bond. Um, he's been talked into by a contact part good guy part bad guy to kind of woo his daughter that's who diana rigg is and and so you're not sure if he's doing this because the 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 dad is going to get him some information some vital information about the bad guys he needs or he's just doing this because he really likes her but there are long montages of them doing stuff it's definitely not your typical Bond movie because they, they leave the secret agent stuff behind and we get to see Bond, you know, kind of wooing this girl. Well, things change and the storyline goes and he has to go to this this place on the top of the mountains uh, that's Blofeld's research laboratory. And he's got to go there and, and he meets all these women who are there being treated for their different anxieties and allergies. And he starts sleeping with them. And there's a scene where he's like, he schedules one for nine o'clock, one for 10. And then the next girl he meets, he winks at and what, she going to be 11. Uh, that's pretty sure of yourself to schedule a, a different woman every hour. I think <laughs> uh, it's James Bond, but they got away with it. I don't know. He, so anyway, he, he's sleeping around with all of these women to try and figure out what's going on here. And as it turns out, spoiler alert, they're being brainwashed to carry bombs later on and distribute biological warfare and so they have to come up with a way to stop all this and eventually there's a big showdown with bond and blofeld and bond's going to be killed and that kind of thing and man the lines in this movie you can tell that it wasn't always ad lib that their writers are writing some of this because uh, there's a scene where uh, Things are going on, and the and the girl says, "I I I I hope my big end can stand up to this." 
well, it was a car and it was a racing scene, but you know what I mean? Just that double entendre stuff. But again, there are multiple car chases in the movie. There are multiple ski chases in the movie. There's not just one. Like, you know, in, in most Bond movies, there's one at the beginning or like one at the end. Big car chase or a big ski chase. That, that's just, that's part of what Bond is. But there are multiple car chases. There is even a stock car race. There are multiple ski chases and, and people falling off mountains and stuff. This this movie is stuffed over stuffed to the gills with all of these Bond-isms. Um, they actually set off an avalanche to try and kill 007. I mean, <laughs> the special effects are actually pretty good. Some of the special effects were horrendous, um, but they don't show them very quick. Like when the when the base finally does blow up, it's one superimposed explosion that's on screen for less than a second. But yeah, they, they start an avalanche to try and wipe out uh, 007. Uh, and of course he survives. He's 007. He's got to make another movie. This is by far also the most personal Bond movie, like I said, because there's a lot of scenes of him trying to woo this woman, the character played by Diana Rigg. Um, and by the way, when he was sleeping with other women, there was nipple. Uh, the, the character Ruby, she was the short-haired, kind of a little more vivacious than the other women. Um and Catherine Schell, who would go on to be Maya on Space 1999, she's one of the Bond girls, too, uh, with light hair, uh, which is very interesting. I think she was the 9 o'clock or the 10 o'clock appointment on 007's list. But there was actually a little bit of nipple. So, again, this movie pushed the PG. Bond movies were G to PG for most of them uh, in the 60s and 70s. And this really pushed the PG uh, as far as the opening credits and the bedroom scene with Ruby. I was like, oh. Well, okay, that's interesting. Um, but this is... The, so anyway, you've got all these personal scenes with him kind of wooing Diana Rigg, and then he's got to go off and, and, and do James Bond stuff. And then through that, he meets Diana Rigg again. Um, and he... The movie has this big coda at the end. They they take out the bad guys. Somehow Blofeld gets away. They stop the, the plan for biological warfare. And then... Instead of just, you know, going on a raft or, or a, a bearskin rug and ending with that, no, we cut to James Bond gets married. James Bond marries the Diana Rigg character, and they're driving off to their honeymoon, and everything's great. Uh, the the uh, Q shows up, who didn't show up the rest of the movie. Q shows up at the wedding. Um, and then we have this gut punch ending. Again, getting into spoilers, the movie came out in 1969. The movie is famous, and... When I sat down to watch this movie, I remembered the opening, I remembered Telly Savalas, and I remembered the ending, and nothing else stuck with me over the years, even though this was one of those movies that I said, this is one of those James Bond movies that nobody talks about, but it's a pretty good one. And like I said in the beginning, it does, it really nails James Bond, considering that you've got a different actor playing him, it proved that somebody else could come in and the movies would stay the same. It's definitely a 007 movie from beginning to end. But uh, the personal stuff in the middle and and the ending coda with him getting married and going off to his honeymoon is just nothing you expect out of a Bond movie. And I guess because she kept up with him toe-to-toe throughout the story is why he was enamored with her more than any of the other women um, that he's been with in all the movies and all the books and all that kind of stuff. Why he chose this particular woman, they don't really get into. So we're assuming that all that romance stuff we saw in the middle of the movie was was true romance. Um, but they're on their way, and we see a car um, <laughs> piloted by the bad guys... Um, 
uh, Telly Savalas Blofeld is in a neck brace, so he's in the passenger seat um, or in the in the driver's seat, but kind of hunched down. And his female sidekick has a machine gun and they blow past 007 and his wife on the road and they riddle it full of machine gun uh, bullets and they go about their way and and James Bond jumps out of the car and and you know he's going to figure it out and he gets back in the car and his wife was shot in the head right in the forehead and dies and it's a it's a terribly touching scene where he he starts losing it and the cop pulls up and uh, is everything all right here oh he looks up at the cop and says she's just resting and and holds her head in his lap and it's just and the movie just ends it just ends there with James Bond you know it's a 2 hour and 22 minute movie where James Bond quit James Bond romances James Bond gets married James Bond loses his wife it it really, you know, they, they wanted to stick to the book, obviously. I have read the book. Um, but for a James Bond movie that always ended with him getting the girl at the end, this was a gut punch. This was just, holy crap. And to this day, it's one of the, except for what they did with the, the last couple of Bond movies, um, the most personal, the most gutting, just wow, you know, and... Had the movie been a little better, we would have had a little bit more built up in the character. I think, you know, getting away from that storyline and getting back to the double seven for a while and then back to this kind of hurt the characterization of Diana Rigg's character throughout the thing and, and the endearment of, of why he wanted to marry her and all. But on the flip side, you know, it it's done kind of quickly. It's another thing. I wish it, it wasn't so fast at the end. But again, you've had a long movie. How, how else... I don't know. It just, it really hit me this time that, wow, what a dark ending for a James Bond movie this is. And and it pops up on the screen that he will return in Diamonds Are Forever. And, and we know in history that Sean Connery comes back. No real word on why um, it didn't work out. I imagine just getting Sean Connery back was what they wanted. Again, a lot of the extras on the Blu-ray are fantastic. The Blu-rays are 4K restorations done a decade ago and look great. Um... Uh, I repeat what I've said on every single one of these Blu-ray reviews that I don't know that I need to upgrade in the eventual 4Ks that will be coming at some point. I think next year is the the, the next anniversary, so maybe. Um, I just don't know that they need the upgrade. If HDR makes a difference, if they go back to the original negatives and upgrade these, these decade-old transfers. But I don't know that the movie could look much better than it did. Other than some sketchy special effects, the movie looks great. It has great detail, um, not a whole lot of grain. Um, they didn't use as many uh, library established shots. The, everything was kind of shot on location for this movie. Um it's impressive. You get to go to Portugal. You get to go to the Alps. You know, it, it definitely has some great locations, some beautiful women. It's your typical James Bond movie, but it's a little long compared to the earlier movies. But Thunderball was a fairly long one, too. And it, it is just overstuffed. Maybe one less car chase and one less ski chase would have made the movie a little bit more you know, palatable. But you look on Rotten Tomatoes and it's over 80%. It's definitely well-remembered. And watching it now, it, it is good. And it's interesting to see George Lazenby in the role. He does a great job with it. For a guy who wasn't an actor, who 
in in interviews now says that he was a little nervous that he would be out of his depth. You know, he had done some TV commercials and TV shows and stuff. Um, and they picked him to, you know, wear expensive suits. And he actually had to try on one of the suits they didn't use for Sean Connery and they could he could wear the same suit or whatever. <laughs> his arms were a little bit different, I think he said. Um but all in all, it is a good Bond movie, and it's a unique Bond movie because it's the only one that George Lazenby starred in, Lazenby. Um, uh, growing up, I said Lazenby, so it's hard for me, but everybody in the interview has called him Lazenby, so okay, he's George Lazenby. Um, but On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's closer to the books than most of the earlier movies. Um, it's got some quintessential Bond stuff in it. Um and I like Telly Savalas' Blofeld. I kind of wish that had continued a bit. But overall, it's a good Bond movie. Not quite as good as I remembered it because it is a little bit overstuffed. But you got some great acting and some great action scenes. And it is a Bond movie through and through. So uh, I can't take too much away from it. it. It's one that gets a thumbs up from me because it's it's definitely on the, on the good side of the movies. There are a few cheesy ones coming up that we will be reviewing that I will come out of and hopefully have better things to say about than my memory does. But this is one that I remembered being one of the better early James Bond movies, and it is, but it's also a little long and a unique entry because of George Lazenby. But check it out. Diana Riggs good in it. Uh, Telly Savalas in it. Uh, M is good. Um, Bernard Lee is good. Um, all it you know same money penny <laughs> she <coughs> she's crying at the at the wedding which it is a good bond movie it's just wow it's just a different animal and and I, to me it's where the bond movies have kind of gotten back around to with the last couple uh specter and such getting very much into bond's personal life which is something that doesn't happen in a lot of the movies so check out on her majesty's secret service the 1969 entry into the james bond mythology of movies we have a whole lot more to go with these reviews. I'm Scott Hamilton. I'm Rockfile. My website is therockfile.com. It's where you'll find links. Thank you for sharing and subscribing and listening. Really appreciate you. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. <laughs>